Gobble, gobble. Here it comes. Here it comes. Thanksgiving time. Uh, what are your plans? Uh, ben and I are going to get in the car and drive up to Napa. Oh, just the two of you. Uh, a couple friends are going to come along and or meet us up there. Great. Um, I love Napa for the obvious reasons. The wine there is uh, is plentiful and mm-hmm. delicious. But also at this time of year, it gets very crisp. One needs a light yeah. jacket, a sweater. A um, layering options. A layering mm-hmm. options. They are numerous. At night, it gets really cold. And 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 things smell like the recent harvest mm. or like a like a nice roaring fireplace. It's very charming um, and uh, very necessary. So we're going to get in the damn car and bring Finbar up to Napa for his very first trip. Oh, he's going. He's coming. Oh, yeah. That's great. And nobody has to cook. Nobody has to clean. Nobody has I mean, to cook. Somebody to clean. does, but not Yeah, not but you guys. nope, not us. Uh, a friend's uh, sister is the pastry chef at a fancy resort up there. So we're going to see if we can't get in there for Ooh. Thanksgiving dinner. If not, you go to a restaurant and they do it for you. And it's fucking delicious. Yeah, you cannot go wrong. You can't. Um, I do not like to travel at Thanksgiving. It is too short. It is too stressful. Uh, what are you doing? Staying in town. Yeah. Uh, my mom's coming to visit. Great. And uh, we're just going to have Thanksgiving with uh, my best friend, Aaron, and her family. Great. And, you know, go to Descanso Gardens. They have a light thing. We're going to do a lot of very momish sure. things. Sure, If there was a show playing at the Pantages, which is not, we'd be going to that. Great. We'd be doing, we're going to be doing that kind of stuff. Great. I love it. Um, Thanksgiving traditions that you will be observing? None. 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 Eating? Great. Is yeah. there a favorite dish? Stuffing. Always. Always. You? In the bird or out of the bird? Oh, out of the bird. Really? Yes. Okay. Yeah. What about you? Uh, in. And stuffing. In? Yeah. And stuffing is the favorite? I think it is, yeah. With sausage cooked in the bird, Ooh. if possible. I don't know how to do it, but I know people who have done it, and it's absolutely delish. And will you guys be talking about what you're grateful for? Uh, that's possible. Do you mm-hmm. do that? Usually, yeah. Yeah. In a, yeah, just in a quick obligatory way. Yeah. My dad would always be kind of, he would spearhead that uh, at family uh, Thanksgivings. Hmm. Uh, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll try that this year. Why not bring it back? Why not bring it back? Why not put you on the spot immediately and ask you what you're grateful for? Oh, my God. Well, first, obviously you. Oh, thank you so much. First and foremost, um, I'm grateful for Faye. Of my course. baby girl sleeping at my feet right here. I'm grateful for Michael, my sweet, sweet baby, uh, and my mom, and... Um, for uh, Wellbutrin. Wow. You know, all Great. on a kick. I love it. And for my friends and sure. all, all of the stuff. Great. Great. How about you? Uh, same things, only mine. Um, yeah, you, obviously. Finn, sure. obviously. Ben, obviously. Um, I love uh, I love that uh, we're living through the most exciting time in American history. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I, love, I love waking up each morning and rolling over and just checking the news and uh, feeling uh, shame and anger. Just grateful, no. See, now we're getting into things I'm not actually grateful. For. <laughs> no, no. Um, I no. I'm I'm truly grateful that uh, Napa is only eight hours away. Ah. And I'm grateful for Jacob Tobiah. Big time grateful for Jacob Tobiah. Jacob is a uh, is an activist. Is an artist. Is the writer of Sissy, a really beautiful memoir, a coming of gender story. Yep. 
So Jacob calls it. Yes. Also, uh, perhaps most interestingly for me, uh, a voice on the animated show, Shira, Princess of Power. Oh, come on. Yes. Which I can't, we didn't even talk about this in the interview when I just learned it. Wow. Uh, Because we had so much else to cover. Yeah. Uh, Jacob is amazing. This is truly a a masterclass and a, a, I don't know, a ceremony of healing. Yeah. Uh, I felt so many things. As yeah. someone who was a sissy, you know, as a kid, still is in whatever ways. Um, and yeah, it was such an interesting conversation. And also we get into some some interesting stuff about, you know, the role of uh, the, the cis gay men in yeah. the trans movement and how we, you know, sort of assume ourselves to be separate from it sometimes when we, yeah. when, when we are not and, yeah. and, and don't, don't want to be. Uh, it's great. Yeah. Jacob's great. Jacob will take you there after the break. We are here. With Jacob Tobiah, who, I mean, let's just work through some of our we have he is to, just We have beef, apparently, but we've just met and we already have beef. Yeah, uh-huh. I, I'm already mad at you. Yeah. Tell us why. So so on the lovely table slash desk that is in front of us in the recording studio, there are signatures of many people who have been here and done interviews and graced this table with their presence. Yeah. And very prominently and, and rather large uh, lettering mm-hmm. is a signature from Jennifer Aniston. Yeah. And the last time I was in here, I was talking to Cameron Esposito. And I spent a very long time, or at least in my head, spent a very long time talking about the fact that Jennifer Aniston had been here and sat in presumptively that very chair. Right. Um, And then at the end of our interview, after we had finished recording, the news was broken to me that that is fake. And I just found out that you are the one who faked it. Yeah. That enormous, very legible. uh Quite legible. And eyes dotted with hearts. Jennifer Aniston uh, signature is not authentic. That was, in fact... Matt McConkie, I watched him do it. I love that you thought that Jen would sign her name so clearly, like yeah. not even an autograph, just very just like cursive sort of, from grade yeah, school, yeah, yes, yeah, with hearts over the eyes, like a like a how 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 maybe fifth grade Jennifer uh-huh. Aniston would have signed her like yeah. papers. This is the fantasy version of her in my yes. like mind, and and Cameron let you believe the lie until. You stopped recording. I think, I don't know how much I talked about it. I might've talked about it pre-record and then we didn't talk about it during the record. And then I don't really remember. I just remember being crestfallen and devastated. Like my, my factual memory is not that good, but my emotional memory um, is very deep. And so when I come in here, I I sort of grieve uh, that Jennifer has not in fact been here. Do you say this because you are a big fan? Um, just because I, just because I got so invested, right. you know, and I, and I, I feel like I'm increased. I, I mean, I, I don't know what it means to like identify as a big Jennifer Aniston fan because I'm like, are you a fan of culture? Like, right, right? Like it's, it's sort of yeah. like I, I don't know how to not how to say like no to that question. Right. I mean, like, I've watched. I've, I've every tried single... to build a whole personality around being a Jennifer Aniston fan. Yeah. It has not really worked. Oh, but I'm right. still working on it. But the real uh, take-home lesson on this is that Cameron Esposito is not to be trusted. Right, 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 right. right. Yes, of course. Remember nothing else. Remember that. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Jacob, what are you watching right now? 
Um, let's see. Uh, I actually just started Euphoria okay. um, because I hadn't watched it because everyone was like, it's really dark and like really fucked up. Um, can I say fuck? Is that oh, cool? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I just have to check because some people are like, it's radio. And yeah. I'm like, huh. It's not, um, it's not radio. It's a podcast. Um, y'all are all raunchy and terrible listening, hopefully. Yeah, we love to say fuck here. Yeah. So I just started watching it last night because I was like, I was sort of like, I was already on a spiral mental health wise. And I was like, let's just go there. Like we're already in the zone. Like yeah. may as well like fucking keep it going. Um, and, and it delivered for sure. I was like, oh, this is like triggering fucking everything. Oh. Um, great. Love it. Did you just see the first? No, I watched the first four episodes last night because I was like, I'm, I'm already in like the crypt. I may as well seal it off for a few hours, you know? Wow. Yeah. It's I one of those the, shows. The first, the first episode was incredible but i have not revisited since then it's and it's and it doesn't get any less dark like it gets more dark it gets more fucked up and there are moments where it's like really light and beautiful but it's also funny because it's one of those things where you know when you audition for a show but you don't book something so like like euphoria was my first auditioning to play uh to play like a queer slash trans it was ambiguous sex worker Uh um i and i like i feel like that's a rite of passage as like a queer or trans actor in hollywood is to like you know audition to play like the drug addicted sex worker Sure. Um, which like a I'm super sex work positive so like I actually have no problems playing a sex worker on screen because I think sex work is legitimate labor and like we should like you know decriminalize sex sex work etc mm-hmm. um, but it's just funny because like in my actual life like I do not ever have sex like my intimacy is like so fucking like tragic um, and so like you know to to play that character is really funny um, and so you know I auditioned for that role and of course I didn't book it um, but now I'm like watching and I'm like oh my god if I had that would have probably traumatized me yeah. Have you seen the person who pl- is playing that? Not yet. Role? I think it's like episode five. Um, but like, you know, watching like, cause I mean, one of the main, I don't know if I, like spoiler alert, if you don't want to hear spoilers about euphoria, but one of the big <laughs> things is like, you know, there's like, there's like the, there's this like straight quote unquote dad who like is really into like femme boys and trans girls. Um, and like, you know, fucks them in hotel rooms, but he's also like a leader in town. And his son is like the head of, is like the quarterback of the football team. And both of them are like trans and queer curious. And neither of them identify their sexuality appropriately. But like, I was just like the scene would have been with like the sort of like closeted trans amorous mm-hmm. slash queer amorous femboy fucking dad. Uh-huh. And I'm like, I don't think, I don't know if I want to do that on screen yet. Yeah. Like, that, oof, that's a lot to, uh, to break off. Yeah. And it's yeah. really like, and you know, Hunter Schaefer who plays um, Jules in the show, uh, who's also from Raleigh, trans people from Raleigh. Yeah. Oh, shout wow. out. Um, Hunter is incredible and like, is so brave to go there. Um, but also just like, damn. Yeah. Oof. Oof, oof is the word. Yeah, so I'm, I'm having like one of those mornings where I'm like, I need like two espressos because I just need to kind of like get out of that. Sure. You know? Well, it seems like you're back, you're out. I yeah, mean, yeah. Least, uh, well, on the other end of the spectrum, I'm watching Shit's Creek. So it's kind uh-huh. of, you know, just like, I feel like, you know, I have some balance here and there. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I'm obsessed with Shit's Creek. And then before that, I was watching Succession. Okay. Um, because I, I live, like HBO dramas are like, they when I just want to like get fucked up, like HBO dramas are like, I know it's an irresponsible thing for me to start and I'm going to start and it's going to like take over my whole brain. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm going to be like, oops, I didn't get things done. I was supposed to get done. Like, oops, I'm spiraling like, oops, who knows, but it's cause they're designed. I mean like they, they're emotional, like they're emotionally addictive and they know exactly how to get under your skin and they, and you know, and they're also so like perfect and beautiful and arty and all that shit. So like, you know, like my, my TV film person brain is watching it, like getting totally, like fucked up in a good way right. and then like my emotional self is watching it being like Ugh. 
And the character, I love Succession. I'm obsessed with it. But, you know, and everyone's beef with it is always like, there's no one to root for. There's no one that's likable. It's like, oh, yeah, of course. They're all horrible yeah, people. Yeah, because rich people are terrible. But it does sort of cast a spell where you're like, are they so bad? Like, would, wouldn't it be kind of fun to be from like a mm. billionaire, you know, conservative news media empire family? I feel, I, mean, I feel I like, I mean, I feel like it would be interesting. Fun is maybe not the word. Yeah. Right. And, I, and the thing I love about succession that I think is so accurate about it. Cause like, you know, I'm like socialist girl, right? Like I, I like think that wealth disparity in this country is like just an atrocity. Yeah. Um, and I love this succession is just like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, everyone's miserable all the way up through the top. Like money, like start, like every rich people in America are miserable. Like, I don't think they're happy and their money isn't making them happier. So it's like, I'm like, yeah, cool. So can we just like triple your tax rate? Cause it doesn't fucking matter. Cause you're You're miserable either way. Yeah. You know, um, also Kieran Culkin, uh, from that show. I don't know why, but I feel like he's super hot and has this like impish fucking thing that is really working for me. Yeah, I had like a sort of sexual awakening with with his character. Wow. Was this with specifically spe- specific to his relationship with Jerry? N- um, no. Although that was nice, I didn't that mind was, that part. Like He's that. like in in the sort of like denig- like you know like denigrate me, mommy kind uh-huh. of relationship with like the family attorney. Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you know he's just like shit talking me, and then he like comes from it. Um, but no, I I just like him because he's like he's like the he's sort of like the impish like fucking around like uh, kind of puckish type mm-hmm. yeah. uh, in in the family. Um, and he's just like toying with everybody and has this personality that's so like like he's always like slouched way down in his chair and like has his feet up on things and like doesn't give a fuck and isn't proper at all and I live I just live for his energy I thought in season one that we were veering toward a queer storyline for his character right because he kind of is coded as queer in a way yeah and he had this weird sort of sexual relationship with his male trainer yeah oh my god this is the one thing that's missing from the show well also like it's a very very white show but that there's no queer visibility at all right right? and that's the thing when i watch succession the thing that i'm like a little bit that gives me heebie-jeebies is i think about the other people watching it yeah and i'm like half of the country watching this is just like ooh a family drama <laughs> yeah. yeah and right. that they're just like oh that and that's where it stops for them <laughs> right right like they don't see it as like oh like this is a this is like a, a, a narrative about how like class is so fucked up in america and also a narrative about how whiteness is so evil and blah 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 they just like they just they're just like ooh a, a interesting story about a family fighting for power right. it's like king lear uh-huh. you know like uh-huh. yeah. like and i'm kind of like oh no like that's actually really fucked up which is which is you know HBO is, I think, one of those weird networks that, like, they straddle a really wide audience base in terms of, like, you know, they, I think the really conservative people still watch HBO sometimes. Um, and it's, like, it's so interesting to me to think about, like, what, you know, like, how how a significant portion of Succession's audience is digesting the show versus how, like, the rest of us are. Yeah, ironic versus without a shred of right. irony. Sure. And my favorite little Easter egg, just because while we're on it and then I'm done, um, is that in the opening credits of season two, one of the headlines, they have like ATN News in the show, which is uh like the surrogate for Fox. Yeah. Um, And one of the headlines at the bottom is like gender fluid illegals, uh, like immigrating twice or whatever. Yeah. Like they put that in there just like subtly. And I was just like, that would be way cuter if you had a trans storyline. Exactly. Sure. Sure. So I'm going to be Kendall for Halloween, by the way. Oh, oh my wow. God. Perfect. Because I do. I have had to accept that I do sort of look like. No, I see droop, it. There's some droopy facial features we have in common, but I'm going to be the 
when he does the rap. Oh uh, God! Yeah, 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 yeah. Jersey and stuff. Great, but also he's like sexy. So like a resemblance I mean, is a good thing. Thank you. I'll take it. But uh, I'm not I, happy about it. Um, I'm behind on Succession, but I g- also just realized that I have had a bit of a sexual awakening to Cousin Greg. Oh, wow. I think he's adorable. Uh, he was on Ellen, and mm-hmm. he's very tall, mm-hmm. and he, it was difficult for him to fit his whole body sure, in the sure, chair. Sure. <laughs> and she was being kind of passive aggressive, like stop kicking my table. Uh-huh, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. And I wanted to take care of him. I, I find him, uh, and now I follow him on uh, on Instagram and see all of his stories of all of his music festivals and friends and stuff. And he's oh. just kind of tall and uh, delicious. So I don't know what happens with that character. And I don't want to know yet. I'm shocked by this, but really? I like it. I think he's adorable. See where it goes. Yeah, I'm into like I'm into all of us sort of getting getting really into our like non-conventional and strange crushes yeah. rather like I think that that's like what that that brings us toward a better world yes. when we're all like instead of being like oh my god like Ryan Reynolds right yeah. like like which which also I'm confused about Ryan Reynolds because I'm like is 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 he pansexual like I don't know yeah. What makes you say that? Well, I just was confused because he's in the calm down video for no reason. For no reason, but I'm like, is that no reason or is that like coding? Right? Like, did he mean that as no. a coming out? No. Are you sure? I'm. I can't. Imagine. Everyone else in that music video is queer, though. Everyone else. Well, Taylor's not. I get. Well, Taylor's not, and also I guess Katy Perry isn't. Was yeah. Katy? I don't know. No. I don't know how anyone identifies anymore. Like, yeah, I, don't I know. like I can't keep track of my friends' own gender identities anymore. <laughs> yeah. Like I truly am. Like, wait, what fucking pronouns are you using? I haven't seen you in a year, and I don't even know your name anymore. Yeah. Like, what are you going by? What are your pronouns? How do you identify again? Like, have you come out as something else since I last saw you two weeks ago? Uh, well. You're That's like, it's better if we just, if I just check your Twitter and Instagram. Right. Yeah, like, let's just like can, check in yeah. every time. Like, how are you feeling? Also, any new identities I need to know about? Also, right. can you remind me what your old ones were? Right. <laughs> so, so Jacob, you've opened the door. What is your most unconventional uh, crush? Um, we can go around the room on this. Oh, yeah. We can go a full around well, I mean, I feel like right now it's it is it is Kieran Culkin. Really? Like mm-hmm. that's it. You know, like that is the strangest. I mean, we have seen him grow up. Right. So that's awesome. Well, no, no, but the, but did we, I don't, I didn't watch anything with Kieran in it when I was a kid. No? I only watched. Rory, because he and Rory are a little interchangeable in my mind. I, guess. I don't remember. I don't, yeah, I don't. in uh, Igby Goes Down, right? Yeah, I don't, I, I don't didn't see that. I think, I think it's Kieran. Um, yeah, I feel like that's my, I feel like that's my unconventional crush right now. I'm trying to think of if there are any interesting other ones. I feel like in general, like, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, my, my, uh, my desires are very boring. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, like, I, and this is, this is the thing that I think is so interesting about kind of the time we find ourselves in is that, you know, we've all learned to kind of like think about the politics of our desire, but desire, like the way that desire functions and the way that like your sexuality is programmed. Cause I really think it's, it's, it's most accurate to talk about it as being programmed, uh-huh. right? Like that our sort of sexuality and who we are and what we want, I feel like is, is kind of set very strongly when we're like seven. You know yeah, what I mean? Sure. So now I have this whole political analysis of like of desire and body politics and all this other stuff and and this wiring that just like can't, is not congruent with that. Hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And I don't feel like we talk about this enough, right? Like everyone just talks about sexual liberation as if it's really simple, right? As if as if just being like, oh, just liberate your desires and that fixes everything. But like most or not most, but at least many of my desires are trash. Sure. sure. And, right. But I do don't want to liberate desires, them. Do those desires change when you identify them as trash and you understand that they are things that were sort of assigned to you when you were seven? Well, I mean, it, and this is where I don't know the answer, right? Like, I, I, I'm not sure. 
because yeah, it's I'm not a chicken eggs, it, sort of. right? And it's and it's also confusing because even when I think about like the way that I like when I think about my sexual orientation, right? Like, a I don't think I don't even know what to call my sexual orientation these days because like I'm not trans exclusionary like with how I like I, I feel like I'm not I'm not bi like because I'm not like I'm I'm attracted mostly to masculinity, but like what bodies and sort of shapes that can be in is like very wide for me and like can include people who identify as women but like rarely does but can and like so I don't even know how to describe that Mm, right also in the context of like a homo hetero dichotomy I'm like well lol like am I like a femme who wants a like a butch so I'm hetero like Mm -hmm. or am I like a person with a dick who like probably is going to be with someone else with a dick so I'm homo like I don't fucking know um and and more generally when I think about like the types of masculinity that I desire. Um, it's just like, you know, it's like that boring fucking Zac Efron shit. Yeah. You know, it's that shit that like Disney Channel executives decided they would make everybody want when I was too young to like put up a fight. Yeah. You know, in so many ways, it's like, I don't feel like my sexual desires were consensually created. Right. Mm-hmm. I, d- I don't think any of us get agency over how our desires are created. And I think that's a real tragedy. Yes. Um, And I don't know why we don't hold space for that as a culture to be like, yeah, we were all like, we were all sort of like, uh, we were, our, our, our programming was set by other people mm-hmm. with through media that we can't control um, and, and kind of made us want things that suck. Yeah. I don't know. And maybe I'm going to get over it, but I feel like you have to, you know, have, uh, like, I feel like you need partnership to get over that, right? Like you need experiences to get over that and to sort of like help shift that programming. And the other thing about being like trans femme faggot lady, you know, non-binary, whatever is like, the irony is that that same programming that I have is a program that everybody else has. And that program like completely excludes like hairy femmes like me. Yeah. Right. Like no one's trying to fuck me ever, you know? And it's, so it's like, I don't, it's like, I can't even figure out, like, I don't have the desire to work with to then like meet other people to then like rework on my own programming, nor do other people like know how to start with sort of like reaching out to someone like me. It's this like really fucked up, like cycle, vicious cycle, but I'm really caught in it. So I'm trying to talk about it more. And have you found partnership in that journey i mean is it is it something that you talk about in in community in therapy mm. on podcasts obviously um i mean i clearly just disclose <laughs> way too much on podcasts uh, no, um no. uh but no i mean and and definitely talk to my therapist about it um i have a great therapist everyone should be in therapy therapy yes. is like a fucking checkup it's like a physical you know what i mean like you don't go to therapy because something's broken you go to therapy because you want to be healthy okay yes. um Thank everyone you. should be getting in fucking therapy um i'm like really done with the idea that therapy is only for people who like quote unquote need it because i'm like <laughs> if you think you don't need it you're in denial but okay yes. anyway um, but yeah, like I, I feel like I do have, you know, a there something of a lonely hearts club, um, you know, of people who are in a similar situation to me who are like, well, I'm not I'm not like androgynous femboy hot, right? Like I'm I'm just sort of like really fuzzy and really femme and the world just doesn't know what to do with that. Mm. Like, you know you're really fucked when like there isn't really Tumblr porn of people who look like you. That's when you know you're fucked or or not fucked, like notably yeah. not fucked. <laughs> oh, no. Right? Like I don't even know I don't even know if I've seen like like porn with like hairy femmes in it. I don't know where you even find that. Cuz and it really is all about the body hair. It's so arbitrary and so stupid, but it's so true, right? Like if you think about and that's, you know, that's one of the my greatest disappointments with uh with sort of 
how the how sort of trans visibility has gone over the last um, you know five to ten years is that we have not really we have not at all started to talk about like what does it mean for some women to be like for women to be hairy what does it mean for non-binary people to be hairy what does it mean for us to have hair follicles that we don't get rid of yeah um, because like you know if I wanted to be desirable as a femme in sort of the traditional way we understand it I would have to get electrolysis over ninety percent of my body. Right. And it's, it's, it's a lot of work. It's pain. Yeah. It's expensive. It's and I'm like half Syrian Lebanese. So I'm hairy, like a lot of places. Right. Like I have abundant follicles. And you talk about this in the book, obviously, but that also that, um, there is this sort of now culturally embraced traditional trans narrative that, um, does not reflect your own experience. Mm. Can you talk more about that? Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. So, so when I sat down to write Sissy, you know, I start. I tried to start writing this book like in 2016, and just kind of had um, had a real. Uh, it was. I mean, the first time I sat down to write it, it was a real failure, um, mostly because I I had spent so long working in the movement, you know, sort of proper, uh, that I I thought that I needed to tell the story according to the terms I'd been taught to tell it. Um, you know, in sort of like as like media girl, as like you know, like trans movement girl, right? And and the story that I think um, has been created in some ways for the trans community is the most digestible, easiest to understand version, right? Which is like the hyper binary, um, born in the wrong body, like oversimplified version of things um, that doesn't necessarily leave space for nuance. And the reason it doesn't leave space for nuance is because we're trying to like be easier to digest yeah. for people who are antagonistic toward us. Right. Like, and so, so when, when I say that there's this classical trans narrative, a, what I don't mean is that that's, that's not, I'm not talking about all trans storytelling over the last century. Right. I'm talking about the media narrative that's been built over the last five years that talk, like, you know, that talks about like who trans people are fundamentally in order to make it palatable for sort of like right. the, the mainstream. Right. And, and, you know, the desire to make trans people palatable, um, is a survival instinct. So I don't want to knock it, right? Like trying, like having a convenient, a convenient way to be understood is part of a community surviving at a time when everyone was hostile toward us. But I think it's important for us to remember that like, we have to, as a community, maintain an aggressive strategy, right? We have to maintain an offensive strategy narratively. And so we've earned this, we've earned the trans 101 narrative Mm -hmm. in the public eye. And so it's, and and so we can't stop there, right? We have to push out a- into all the nuances of trans identity and all the nuances of gender nonconformity, and that in- that means including non-binary folks. That means including, um, you know, trans folks who who talk really openly about you know doing some steps of medical transition and not doing others, right? It includes um, naming that you don't have to go from one to quote unquote the other in order to be trans. That you can sort of take a gender journey from one place to a sort of like intrepid middle and and land there and feel good or not land anywhere and be fine yeah. right just this idea that uh transness is a is a is a one way express train from point a to point b um is is actually really damaging to everyone right. um because that's not how gender works and that certainly isn't how trans identity works right like it's not some express train it's actually a very 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 long journey kind of done on foot and like you know you you should be entitled to take breaks along that journey and not be in, put in danger right the way i describe it in like my workshops and stuff um did you ever play the lava game growing up yes um yes but remind so us. the lava game is basically like when 
It's like when you and your siblings, uh, you, you say, that, oh, the floor is lava and all the furniture is islands. And so you have to hop around between the furniture and you can't touch the floor. And if you touch the floor, you die, mm-hmm. right? Um, or you lose the game. And the goal is like, I don't really know what. I think it's mostly just to like destroy shit in your house or whatever. Yeah. Um, but but I always, I, I talk about gender kind of like that, where there's like, you know, these two islands of like sort of uh, intelligible womanhood and intelligible manhood. And then everything in between is like this lava, mm-hmm. right? And and the reality is that that lava, right, this, this sort of stigmatization um, discrimination and violence towards any kind of gender nonconformity in anybody um, is is bad for everyone, right? There, are, like cis people get burned when they go outside of gender norms. All queer people get burned when we go outside of gender norms. Every trans person, even if they're just, even if they're transitioning to like another binary destination, like it's a lot of it's a lot of fire and a lot of magma along the way. And for those of us who don't necessarily want to be on either of those two islands, right, like. It's, it's kind of, it can be fire all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I just, I want us to expand how we understand transness um, so that it's not just an understanding of like going from one place to the other, but it's about departing from the, like an easy, simple understanding of gender to something more complicated and self-actualized. And you're, you're sort of blazing a new path with your experience of, I love the metaphor of like, gender fire uh mm. the, as you're walking through this fire um you are you know m- modeling a path for younger people which is amazing but am i right that you, you didn't really feel like there was a path that was modeled for you there there was a path but i didn't know about it um in so much as gender nonconforming people have existed forever and i've been part of culture forever and have thrived at 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 various points throughout human history, especially in sort of pre-colonial um, indigenous cultures around the world. Um, and and so I didn't know that I was part of a heritage. I didn't know that I was part of a lineage. Um, so I thought what I was doing was new. Right. And what I've come to understand the older I get, and I think this is something that every trans person, every queer person comes to understand. I'm, I'm sure it's something that y'all have felt. Do both of you identify as gay men? Yeah. Yeah. yeah like I feel like it's something y'all must have felt as gay men too. Um, it's like this, this learning to be like, oh, there's nothing edgy or new about what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Right. That everything we're doing has been done before and what a freedom that is. What a gift that is to be like, nah, this has been happening since humans have existed. Right. There's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing, you know, gender nonconforming people have existed as long as gender has existed. Sure. Um, so, so, you know, when I was, when I was growing up, I didn't know that that was true. Um, so I thought I was doing something new and that was actually really kind of damaging and tokenizing mm-hmm. um, because what I wish I had understood myself as part of a lineage and part of a struggle, right, as a continuation of work that was done by my ancestors on behalf of people like me so that I could live a more open life. And, you know, for a couple of white gay guys, it is pretty easy to point to your lineage and to see what came before you. But, uh, you know, non-binary people... A, didn't necessarily have the language that we have today mm. um, to identify, but also these histories have been sort of erased. Mm. Well, I mean, yes and no, because in some ways, I don't think, I don't think that, like, I don't see 
gay identity and and non-binary identity as fully mutually exclusive. Mm. And I don't see even gay identity and trans identity as fully exclusive. I live in that middle place, right? When people ask me, um, people ask all the time, like, how do you identify, right? And 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 I'll, I'll always fuck over journalists because they're like on a, you know, in a timed piece and that that's their intro question. Right. And then I go for five minutes on it and they're like, oh, fuck, this they're kid like, is We were ruining. just looking for a few words. Right. So. They were like, we were looking for the one label actually yes. and then we were going to move on like asking some real questions and I'm like well that is the real question for me because I don't this idea that like that gender is that or that that your identity is like is like one slot that you have and that when you get a new one you have to kick the old one out Mm -hmm. like I think that's such a shitty way to look at it and and such a and, and such a kind of cruel way to look at it in terms of our own hearts and our own understandings, right? I look at, at gender identity and an identity of all kind as a layer cake, right? So like I didn't lose my like gay boy identity when I like added trans and added non-binary and added genderqueer, right? Like I didn't. It's still in there, mm-hmm. and 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 I say that because I don't want to. I don't want to leave gay men behind in the work that I'm doing, because I actually think that. Uh, one truth we don't want to acknowledge is that every gay man like on this planet knows what it is to be gender nonconforming because being gay is at its root being gender nonconforming, right? Because yeah. you're a man who wants to have sex with other men. And that even if you're the most butch man in the whole world, even if you're like the butchest queen of the butch queens, like you still were gender nonconforming and understood as gender nonconforming when on your coming out journey, likely in your childhood. And so I don't, that's that's why I chose the title Sissy for the book, um, is because Sissy is a uniting label, yeah. right? It's not an identity properly. I mean, it's a kink identity, but it's not like, which no one picks up on. And I'm like, excuse me, my book title is very kinky. And I would like more fucking credit for that. Like, it wasn't an accident. I'm not like, yeah. I'm not some like, you know, some like, clo- like closed off person who had no idea about that. Like, I wanted to trick a bunch of cis people into Googling Sissy and being like, whoa, I didn't know that was there. Um, but, but the thing I love about the term Sissy is that because it doesn't sort of live in the proper identity space, it actually unites across a lot of different um, uh, swaths of trans femininity, mm-hmm. right? And I include gay men as part of trans femininity because I think that when you are gender nonconforming and, and, are, and are in any way like understood as gender nonconforming, like you're, you're on the trans feminine spectrum because if you were called a sissy as a child, like then you're trans feminine yeah. in some way. Yeah. Right. And I think that honoring that and, and naming that um, is actually a real radical act of love both for ourselves, but also for our community, because we have, you know, these like, like, quote unquote, like cis gay people walking around thinking that transness has nothing to do with them. Mm. And it's like, no, no, the reason there's a reason why this alphabet soup is put together. And it's because like, it's because it's actually blurry about where your identity stops and my identity starts, right? Mm-hmm. At what point are you a femme queen enough that you're basically non-binary, right? At what point are you so non-binary and trans-feminine that you're basically a trans woman, right? Like, it's it, it gets murky, and that murkiness is beautiful, and that continuum understanding is more healing for all of us. Yeah, yeah. I think. Beautifully said. I, uh, before we take a break, I, can I ask you to just read this one blurb from your intro that I, I we've literally never done this before on the show, but oh, I'd love I to do a little like story time and of like, I think maybe starting. Here. Yeah. 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 Oh, oops, sorry. We're almost knocking over water people. <laughs> okay. The one from, but here's yeah, the remark. Okay. Yeah. So we're reading, if you're, if you have your book at home, we're reading from page nine. Yeah. Join us. 
But here's the remarkable thing about self-love. When you start to love yourself for the first time, when you start to truly embrace who you are, flaws and all, your scars start to look a lot more like beauty marks. The words that used to haunt you transform into badges of pride. And so, at the age of 27, now 28, I adore the words sissy and faggot. I take pride in them. They are a cherished part of my history, a beautiful piece in my life's menagerie, transformed from lead to gold by the alchemy of self-discovery and self-acceptance. I'm the shiniest, queenliest, sparkliest faggot that I can be. I'm the most effervescent, gorgeous, dignified sissy that the world has ever seen. I own it. I live it. And this book is, at least in part, the story of how that came to be. Oh, I love that part. I forgot about that. Okay, let's take a break and we'll be right back with Jacob. So, okay. hey, we're back. Okay. <laughs> we just started talking during the break, and everything we were saying was too brilliant to not yeah. record. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I don't even remember what my point was. Wait. I guess I, I just I just love the – the I, I love being included in this story of yours because you are so right that cis gay men think that transness has nothing to do with us. And I think I, I think I can speak for both of us when I say that that has – nothing to do with not wanting to be included and connected to our trans and non-binary brothers and sisters. But I think, I think it's a little bit of this. It's the gay male version of white guilt of feeling mm. like we're the ones who have had it easiest. And yeah. yeah, forget our, forget our story. Like, you know, it's, it's not about us. Do you know what I mean? Right. And, and I guess to me, what, what gets glazed over in that understanding of things is is the real gender trauma mm-hmm. that that I would argue like ninety seven to ninety nine percent of gay, cis gay men I know have absolutely right. Like we were all like at some point or another we were all traumatized by being understood as feminine mm-hmm. um, in a world where that was a dark was was sort of you know a scarlet letter or a, or a, or a sparkly pink letter mm-hmm. on our you know on our yeah. chest um and i don't think i really don't think i think one of the biggest ways in which the um gay movement has failed um gay people and gay men specifically is that we have not addressed that right we, in- we address it implicitly sometimes but it's not addressed explicitly in the ways that it needs to be right like we do not have a healing practice on mass um, that our community uses for all of us to get over that, right? Like, I think that, that you know, we party it away and we get a bunch of abs so that we can compensate for all of our gender trauma. And, you know, we we have a lot, a lot of, like, we have a lot of sex to try and, like, cover it up. But, like, none of those things heal it if you're not going to actually talk about it. Right. They can all be part of it, sure. right? Right, like, taking care of your body can be part of healing your gender trauma. Mm-hmm, yes. Like, having great sex can be part of healing your gender trauma. But not if you're using those things to cover to cover over it rather than to expose and understand it. Um, And it's really frustrating to me because I feel like it really, you know, A, it's spiritually sad, but B, it really fucks up my dating life. (laughs) Because like, if I feel like if gay men were able to, if if more of us, and I feel okay saying us, right? Again, because like, I still have that layer in my cake. Mm -hmm. Um, Like if more of us were able to, to name and own our femininity, um, and really, and and I and what I mean by that is not just to think about how feminine do I want to be now, 
right? Because that's like saying, oh, like, how do I want to express myself now that I've been fully, like, sort of traumatized in these ways and limited in these ways? But how was I when I was a kid? That's what I want people to always reflect on is, like, who were you when you were four? Like, and and I don't know if a lot of us even spend time remembering that because it can be painful. Um, but But I feel like a lot of the queens I know when they were four, like, of course they wanted to twirl in a tutu. And I'm Big like, time. right. And I'm like, at what point did you give that up? At what point did we decide, like, yeah, I have to give that up forever? Or at yeah. least I can only do that, like, in a bar, maybe, or, like, at Burning Man or whatever, uh-huh. right? Like, that's so sad that, mm-hmm. like, we can't just wear fluffy things and frilly things that we have, that we're so alienated from our own gender that we don't even remember that it's what we wanted. Yeah, And that was an experience that I really had, like, the first time in my adult life, when I went to the dollar store, I was like 21, 20, no, I was, I was like 20, 19. It was my freshman year in college. I was 19. Um, I was older for my grade. Uh, and I remember I went to the dollar store and bought nail polish, like for the first time myself, and then painted my own nails all on my own, you know, in my dorm room. And I had this moment because I, I, what I told myself at the time was like, oh, I'm just doing this as an experiment um, just to like see how it feels. And then the moment I like, once I looked at my hands, I had this moment where I was like, holy shit, I wanted to do this so bad when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I had forgotten how badly I wanted to do it because I had to put that away in order in order to like cope with a world where all trans femininity is, is met with abuse, right? Like, or, or neglect, which is just another form of abuse. Um, and so I really want gay men to be like, yo, we all are, are, are really reeling from from shame around our femininity, from shame and and trauma around our gender, um, and need to create intentional spaces to heal from that. And like, and we definitely need to cut this whole "oh, we're men just like you" bullshit. Because yeah. like, being a gay man means being a different kind of man, right? It means it means having a manhood that is much more nuanced and complex. Um, I mean, I would argue all manhood is more nuanced and complex because I also don't think that this ends with gay men. I think that a lot of straight men, um, a lot of straight cis guys who supposedly have the most boring gender on the planet, mm-hmm. I'm like, your gender is not boring. The idea that your gender is boring is actually misogyny too. It's a different iteration of it, right? Like saying that like that that manhood is this stable thing that is unquestioned and has no nuance, like that is part of the patriarchal project. To say that manhood is overly simple and that men have no layers other than wanting power or whatever the fuck, you know, like manhood is coded as, like that is in and of itself part of gender oppression. Like I think it's so vital that all men in our culture have space to heal from gender-based trauma. Everyone has it. It's just a question of what degree, Um, which is why, which is why like, you know, I don't. I feel like, you know, part of the whole non-binary mantra is like, I'm not a man or a woman. And, and, you know, you're supposed to sort of like, it's a neither nor thing, but I'm kind of like, yeah, like I don't feel like a man anymore, but, but I know what it was to be a man Mm. or to be understood as a man, or at least to be on track to become a man. Right. Like I know what the indoctrination program is like. I know what the hazing is like. I know what that, I know that fraternity because I rushed it and then I just, and then I deactivated. Mm. You know what I mean? But I know how bad it is. And I know that all of you are hurting and I know that we got to talk about it. Um, and it's, and it's, you know, it's un, it's just, it's a lot of unfinished work. Yeah. What, what does that intentional space look like to you? I mean, my fantasy is that like I, I wish, 
I have, I have loved ones who are in recovery and have like, you know, have like narcotics anonymous or alcoholics anonymous, you know, and, and I've seen sort of how that program, like that there's, you know, that there's this program in this national infrastructure everywhere you go, there's a meeting, you know, and I'm kind of like, I wish we had meetings for like gender healing, yeah. you know, like I wish that that were part of our practice as a culture, right. That like, you know, in, in like in you know, like in random, you know, churches and mosques and synagogues and like community centers and Lions Club, whatever, right? Like across the country, people are walking and being like, hi, I'm Evan and I have gender trauma. Mm -hmm. Hi, Evan. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. um, and that's, you know, that's the dream for this book. That's the dream for like my work and my career is I, I want to, I, I want it to sort of be a bait and switch, Right. Like this book is a bait and switch in a lot of ways, because the trick is people come in thinking, oh, I'm going to learn about this non-binary thing and learn about Jacob's gender. And then they leave being like, what the fuck do I know about my own? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Because I don't I don't think we create intentional space for that reflection. And I think that so many of our culture's problems and so many of our world's problems are related to that. Right. Like if. I mean, when I think about like my sort of eco-feminist imperative even, right? Because there are days where I'm like, I'm just doing like this trans stuff and like queer stuff. Like, am I doing enough to combat climate change, you know? And then I'm, because like, that's the pressing fucking thing. Like we have a doomsday clock over our heads and I'm kind of like, am I going to be remembered in history? Like as someone who like was part of fighting that or as part of the fucking problem. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like my strategy, part of my strategy is like, the reason people abuse our planet is because they have been abused. The reason people are bad to our planet is because they are traumatized, right? Like all of these executives, all these billionaires who are overwhelmingly men, who are overwhelmingly like, you know, masculine presenting, they have all been put in these cages emotionally. They have no ability to cope with their trauma. They have no ability to identify like all the things that were taken from them and they're miserable. Mm -hmm. And if we can do like this mass gender healing where, where men are able to finally take time to unpack their shit, Right. Like, I think that that makes it a lot easier to stop hurting our planet. It makes it because because then people will be like, oh, I was competing because I felt like I needed to get my father's love or whatever. Right. Like when I think I feel like behind every fucking like, you know, like like giant corporate enterprise that's just like ruining the rainforest or whatever is like some traumatized little boy who like was not enough for their dad. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm like. Dude, like, I get that you have your shit, but you got to stop ruining the planet in the process. Like, we really got to heal some of this. Yeah. And, like, also, like, you know, like, speaking of our fucking president, right? right? We see it so clearly. Right. He's just a traumatized little boy. And his little boys are traumatized little boys. Right. And I don't say little boy to, like, diminish. I say little boy to actually elevate. Right? Because, like, I think that, like... Like that the trauma that boys encounter is real and deep and fundamental and scarring and it stays with you. And so many people are walking around with this gender PTSD and they're ruining the world because of it. So I'm like, yeah, I feel like this is environmentalist activism, you know, like I feel like we are it's it's all part of this thing. I I mean, you talk about the the sort of, you know, gender trauma healing workshops, meetings, whatever you call it uh, as a fantasy. But I mean, I I. I do know someone who would be a great leader for such a workshop. I mean, I, I guess that you're, mm-hmm. but it's already happening. You're leading one right now. Well, um, I'm, yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, when I think about something like that, uh, it's something that no one person can do alone, right? It's like a thing that I would have to have like 
a mass group of people to help with because I've done community organizing. Like I, I'm, you know, I, that was a big phase of my life, um, and I know how much work that is, and I know how hard it is to like get shit going. Um, but I, I do think that there will be, um, there will be time and space to create some of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, you know, for me, it's like I just, I'm just trying to figure out the order of operations, right? Of like, okay, do I need like, you know, because like I published my book, and I'm like, okay, I guess I need to probably write a second one now because I really liked writing the first one, and then I'm also like working on adapting my book into a TV show that would like be like, oh, the one of the first TV shows to like center like a gender nonconforming, but like you know, hairy and non-androgynous gender nonconforming like person at you know at, at the core of a show, and like that in and of itself will probably do a lot of good like political labor and cultural work but then also like I would love to start these like healing circles or whatever and can I do all of it at the same time and I don't 100% know yeah. you know what about dating what is the dating and sex and love landscape like in your own life um, and this is when I think about kind of future creative work that I feel really called to make like this is a big area of it because um, I'm just I mean and and it's it's hard because there's not a way to say this that doesn't make you sound pathetic um, because we we have such shame and stigma around naming um, and, and this is complicated right like this language I'm not even perfect at so I'm probably gonna fuck it up but like around naming like that that sort of romantic and erotic marginalization are things that are experienced by groups of people right and so like you know I'm like like I I've never I don't think I've ever had a satisfying sex life. Um, I've never had consistent sexual partners. Um, and and I think it's because, I mean, it's because I've always been a few steps ahead of wherever my peers were, right? Like in high school, I was that one out gay kid. And ironically, if I had probably not come out, I could have had some sleepovers with people and maybe messed around and had like a secret boyfriend. Sure. But because I came out, it was like, no, now you have that, you have that thing on you and, and you can't, we can't, no one can touch you anymore, you know? And then in college, I was like that one, I mean, I wasn't that one, but I was like a very visible, you know, like femme fag Right. And a campus that was dominated by frat boy masculinity where that was what was eroticized and what was hot, you know. And then now I live in, you know, and then I moved to New York and I was like, you know, full on trans femme, like, you know, like skirt suit wearing, like kitschy weirdo in a culture that like doesn't sort of eroticize all of that. And then now I'm in L.A. and it's like the same problem where I don't see images of people like me being um, like dating or being treated as desirable. Um, and so, you know, it's like there, there have been a few people, there have been a few people I found who are interested in me in some way, shape or form. Um, but, but I'm still really sort of, I'm still really struggling with that and trying to figure out how do I navigate, right? Like how much gender drag am I willing to do in order to like have a sex life again and have a romantic life and, and to find partnership, honestly, um, I know a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of gay men who would be as femme as I am if their partners wouldn't leave them um, because partners would, you know, like there are a lot of people who can't, they can't grow with that. Um, and, and part of what we have to do, part of what that demands also is like, like bi and pan men need to step it the fuck up, you know, like, like bi and pan men in our culture are so erased. Yes. But also like, I don't see a strong community of bi and pan men coming out on mass, um, naming a political movement around what they need and being, being publicly partners with trans and gender nonconforming people, because that's like who I should probably ideally be dating. Right. Like there are some gay men who are like properly kind of queer who like are down, you know, who are like, who are like sort of dom daddies who are down for like a little femme fuck boy, whatever type of situation. Right. Like that is a thing that exists, but it's not, 
it's not sort of fundamental to a lot of how gay men desire each other, right? Around like, I'm a man and you're a man and we desire each other because we're both men. And I can't ask people to change their sexual orientation in that way. Um, but I can ask for bi and pan men to like name that they actually want me. Because I know there are people out there who are picking up on my energy. I can feel it, right? Like it's and 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 the proof is in the pudding, right? Like I, you would not, I would not get catcalled so often when I'm walking around presenting as femme if there weren't something behind that, right? Because whenever someone's calling you a faggot or a sissy or a pansy or a tranny, whatever, or saying like, "What is that?" What they're really saying is my dick twitched and I don't know what to do about it. Mm-hmm. You know, like, or what they're saying is that my my gender is hurting. Sometimes it's a combination, yeah. but I just, I just, I need, I need more bi and pan men to be open about who they are and open about their desire. And maybe, maybe we live in a world where all bi and pan men are liberated and still I get none. Um, and that's possible. I don't know, but I really, I really don't think that would be the case. Um, Cause like I'm fucking cute. You know what I mean? Yeah. This is the hard part is like, I like people when I, when they hear me say all this, they're like, Oh, you must have such low self-esteem. That's so tragic. And I'm like, no, like I'm really confident about like, like I'm fucking cute. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, like I watched that movie. Um, I feel pretty that Amy Schumer movie um, where she like yeah. goes into she like, and the whole conceit of the movie is like, cause Hollywood is trash is the whole conceit of the movie is like, Oh, Amy Schumer is ugly. Right. Like that's right. the beginning like, of the movie. This girl thought she was hot. Can you right. believe it? Right. And she hits her head in a soul cycle and then she, and then she's like oh my god I'm hot and she looks in the mirror and she sees like her hot version of herself but like I'm just my whole life I've been I've in that movie I've been Amy Schumer just with a head injury that will never go away yeah. right like I just I look in the mirror and I'm like fuck yeah and then I go out to the world and I'm like hey what's up and people are just like Ugh. you know you can't create desire right like you can't people you know like sometimes when people give me dating advice I'm like that's like giving investment advice to someone in debt like shut up yeah. You can't investment advice doesn't matter if you don't have something to work with here. Mm-hmm. Um and I and I know that I have something to work with, but until like until men are much more healed than they are now, um and until masculine people are much more healed than they are now, like I don't know how I'm going to figure it out. Right. And until a person in between doesn't jam people's frequencies right just by being, right. you know, or talking or you know creating a relationship. I I would imagine that is that is what is to be overcome. Right. Is that you yeah, right. you you create dissonance in people's head. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's interesting. Like, you know, recently I cut my hair. I had really long hair for a long time. Like it was like down to my nipple. Um, and it was beautiful. Oh my God. My hair is so fucking pretty. Like talk about things I I'm know, arrogant I'm, about. It's in the back, it's in the back cover. It's yeah. Like, stunning. like beautiful. my hair is like it, the way it curls on its own, like that's fucking air dried. Like wow. my hair, oh, wow. my hair, curl, my curls are perfect. Yes. Right. Like it is rude. My hair is rude. It is so gorgeous. Um, and, and I cut it off because I just kind of reached this point where I was like, I'm never going to catch any dicks with this long hair because being a long hair femme is the kiss of death. Right. Um, when it, when you're not androgynous, right. Like, uh, and, and also I was just tired of not being able to audition for shit. Cause like, that's the thing that's so fucked up about the industry right now. And I need to name it more, more verbally, like, and more vocally. Like I'm trying to act, I'm trying to be on camera. I want to be on screen performing things. Like I'm an artist, I'm a performer, I'm an actor, I'm fucking good at it. But like, I cannot get a shot because, you know, casting is either they're looking for a cis man or a cis woman, or they're looking for a trans binary man or a trans binary woman. And what they mean is like a trans dude who's hot with abs or a trans woman who's hot with tits, uh-huh. right? Like, or they're looking for like a non-binary character, which means they're looking for a hairless androgene who you can't tell what they are. They're looking for things they recognize. Yeah, no one, but no one is looking for like, oh, 
like like hard non-binary, like hairy, not androgynous at all, gender non-conforming fucking faggot weirdo. Right. No one's looking for like faggot weirdo number seven. Like even when I auditioned for Euphoria, it was it was they were like looking for like a like a femboy. And I was like, well, I am a femboy, but I know that culturally you won't let me read as a femboy because I'm too hairy because I have chest hair, right? Like femboys don't have chest hair. I'm like, uh, newsletter, yeah, we fucking do. Um, So, you know, it's like, I I feel like I had to cut my hair because that at least means I can audition for like gay men roles now, you know? And, And it's crazy, like how much more I'm auditioning for the moment it's gone. And how is it auditioning for those roles? It's fine. It's fine. Um, like I wish that I lived in a world where like, like I could audition as fully myself and then book the role as fully myself. But I think the, the reality is it's like, you got to pack your fucking tutu in your bag, get past the bouncer in a fucking, you know, in a suit. And then on the other, like then when the moment you're in the club, you just change and you're like, well, I'm here now. Yes. Right. right. So it's like, I'm auditioning for all these gay men roles or whatever for all these sort of like interesting men, like, you know, nerdy 1970s journalist, whatever. Right. Like I'm auditioning for all these things. And then, if I book any of them, I'll just be like, cool. So can we talk about making the character non-binary? And mm-hmm. probably at that point, they'll be like, actually, yeah, that'd be fine. Right. Right. But it's like, I can't, but I can't go in being like, I'm non-binary and I want the character to be non-binary and I'm wearing lipstick in this audition. And this also might all be a moot point when Sissy, the hit television show is on the air and you're creating, writing and starring in it. Hopefully that's the goal, right? Like the goal is to Mindy Kaling this shit Yes, to just like plow through everybody's fucking like objections to you being a person um, and be like, no, it is exactly the time for this to happen. Like I am going to become a national phenomenon and then I'm going to take this entire fucking thing with me. And then all of a sudden I don't have to worry about writing roles for myself because people will be like, how do we add you into our world? Yeah. Right? Like that's the dream. Um, whether or not that happens, uh, I oscillate between, having a great deal of faith and feeling like an idiot. So I don't know. Well, I think we both have a great deal of faith. So we'll, we'll see. Agreed. Jacob, thank you so much for being here. What yeah. a joy. Thank you so much. Thanks Sissy, for having me on. A coming of gender story on bookshelves now. Yeah. Local bookstores preferred. Mm-hmm.